Well, as we open God's Word together this morning, I would like you to take your Bible and turn to almost the same place we were at last Sunday, and that is 1 Peter chapter 3, and this week we will be looking at verse 7 in our ongoing study of the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Last week, if you were with us, you know that we looked at the first six verses and Peter's specific instruction to wives. And today in verse 7, we look at his instruction to husbands. So wives last week, husbands this week. And husbands, men, those of you who are single and aspire to be husbands, don't be deceived by the one verse. Don't think, wow, they got six verses and we just got one. Um, there's a lot in verse 7, trust me. Hopefully when we get to, I get to the end of this message, it won't matter how many verses there are because there's a lot in this one verse. And this is what Peter writes. He says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Well, our first point this morning is a command. Peter turns his attention from wives to husbands in the overall context of submission. I mentioned this last week, I mentioned it again this week. So important that this is being taught in the overall context of submission. And as I said last week, I want you very carefully to notice the word likewise. Verse 1 begins with the word likewise. Verse 7 begins with the word likewise. And when we see that in Scripture, we need to immediately ask ourselves what comes before this. And what Peter says in verse 7, just like what he said in verses 1 through 6, is directly related to what he taught in chapter 2. And if you don't understand that, you're going to miss the power and the impact of what he's saying under the full authority and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, forgive me for the repetition, but I think it's extremely important. He says that we are to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, including the emperor and the governors. We are to be submissive to the government. Then he goes on to say that servants be subject to your masters. With all respect, employees, be submissive to your employers. Unless we think this is impossible or it can't be done, he ends that part of 1 Peter 2 with the great and glorious example of Jesus himself. The greatest example of proper, godly submission is Jesus himself. And if you want to look at chapter 2 and verses 21 through 23, very important. 
Peter writes, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So men, as we go through this today, remember your supreme example, your guide, your template, if you will, is Jesus himself. And I want you men with me especially this morning to think, when he was insulted, he did not return an insult. When he was attacked, he did not respond in kind. When they hit him, he did not hit back. When they spit on him, he did not spit back. When he was mistreated, he submitted himself to his Father in heaven, trusting him in the hour of his greatest suffering. There is a very dynamic and important principle here for both wives and husbands. The cross of Christ is not only the source of our salvation, it is also the basis for every Christian relationship. The cross of Christ is not only the source of our salvation, it is also the basis for every Christian relationship. In essence, Peter is saying this, wives, be like Jesus. Husbands, be like Jesus. There is that very well-known passage on husbands and wives in Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Husband, love your wives. But we need to remember that that whole section actually begins with verse 21. In Ephesians 5.21, the beginning of that section, it says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you are doing that, then the wives will not have a problem submitting to their husbands and their husbands will not have a problem loving their wives. Submit to one another out of the reverent, or excuse me, out of reverence for Christ. Well, in verse 7, husbands are commanded to live with your wives in an understanding way. That's the command to us this morning. Understanding speaks of being sensitive and considerate to your wife's deepest physical and emotional needs. The word translated live, live with your wives in an understanding way. The word live means to dwell together and refers to someone living with someone else in intimacy and cherishing them. Guys, that word live fundamentally means to share the same bed. That's what it means. It means this is how you are to live with that person that you share a bed with in the deepest intimacy of your marriage. Husbands are to constantly nourish and cherish their wives in the bond of intimacy. In the King James Version, it says to husbands, dwell with your wives, dwell with them according to knowledge. 
And that is actually a very good translation. It refers to a husband studying his wife to learn all that he can about her. That he spends not just those early years, but his entire married life studying his wife. He is, in a sense, a wifeologist. He studies her. He learns all he can about her, about her physically, about her emotionally, about her spiritually. In Proverbs 31, verse 11, where it talks about the virtuous woman, the Proverbs 31 woman, it says that her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Her husband has full confidence in his wife and lacks nothing of value. And so, guys, that's the command from the Word of God. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And now he gives us the practical instruction of how to do that. And that's our second point, is practical instruction. Husbands, if you truly desire to obey God and live with your wife in an understanding way, then you will show her honor as the weaker vessel. Let's take that in two parts. Showing our wives honor. Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor. Let's go back again to Proverbs 31. Many of you are familiar with that chapter. Verses 30 and 31, very familiar section. It says this, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And then it says this, honor her. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Husbands, I want you to notice very carefully that word praised. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. The word honor means to treat her with respect. To honor someone means to assign value to that person. A husband treats his wife as someone that he highly values. I want to share a principle with you guys that I found in a couple of different writings this week. Very convicting. It is a good and godly goal to pursue. We're not there yet. I'm not there yet. But I want you to strive for this. It is a, it's a beautiful thing. This is what I read. When a husband offers his wife repeated praise and affirmation, it does something supernatural to her. When a husband offers his wife repeated praise and affirmation, it does something supernatural to her. Let's look at the second part. Peter says that a husband is to honor his wife as the weaker vessel. Weaker is much like the word submission that we looked at last week. Weaker does not mean inferior 
does not mean that that person is inferior intellectually or morally or spiritually. It does not mean they are inferior in talent or capability. It doesn't mean that at all. Weaker very simply means that women generally possess less physical strength than men. That's what it means. That women generally possess less physical strength than men. And men, this is very important. Because you are the stronger of the two, generally speaking, you are the stronger of the two physically. That means that you have more responsibility. That means you are the one who has the greater responsibility in the marriage. It means that Christian husbands are to be sacrificial providers and protectors of their wives. It means that they are to treat their wives with great gentleness, tenderness, and care. Because you are the stronger one, because she is the weaker one physically, you are to be her provider and her protector. And you are to treat her with great gentleness and tenderness and care. Peter says they are fellow heirs with you of the grace of life, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now, some have interpreted this, interpreted this passage or this phrase, heirs with you of the grace of life, to mean we are fellow possessors of salvation, of eternal life. But I don't think that's exactly what it is saying here. When Peter says they are fellow heirs with you of the grace of life, it is more this thought. Every single day, the husband and his wife experience the grace gifts of God. I've shared this with you a lot at Thanksgiving times. Every breath you take every single day is by the grace and mercy of God. Your home, your job, your health, your spouse, your children, Every blessing you have is not because you earned it. Not because you went out there and got it. It's because God has showed you his grace and his mercy and his kindness. And without him, you would have nothing. And you and your wife together are experiencing every day in everything the grace of of God, the grace of life. Many of you know well that grace means unmerited, undeserved favor. That's what grace means. And so you are fellow heirs with one another of these constant grace gifts of life. And the greatest grace gift that you have been given apart from your salvation is your marriage. And so a husband and wife share true and intimate fellowship that belongs in a very special way to those who are possessors of this amazing, blessed, grace gift called marriage.
She is an heir with you, men, of the grace of life. So let me try to bring this together. Live with your wives in an understanding way, nourishing her and cherishing her, getting to know her all about her physically, spiritually, emotionally, honoring her, placing high value on her, praising her and affirming her, being her provider and protector and treating her with gentleness and tenderness and care. With that in mind, let me make two very important statements this morning. Husbands, there is no place in a Christian marriage for physical abuse, period. There is no place whatsoever in any marriage, but especially in a Christian marriage for physical abuse. If you use your greater physical strength to seek to dominate your wife, and if you rough her up and push her around, I want you to know you have committed a grave and serious sin in the sight of God. And there is no excuse for that. And if you are even flirting with that, coming close to that, you need to confess and repent before God today. Over the last couple of years, there has been a lot of emphasis publicly about domestic violence, especially as it relates to professional athletes. And a lot has been discussed and talked about, especially with the National Football League. But there have also been cases with the NBA and the NHL, very public cases. And what happens, guys, is these men who use their physical strength for athletic competition forget to leave it on the field or leave it on the court or leave it on the ice and they bring it into the home. That's a crime. That is a crime against a woman. It is a crime against the weaker vessel. Men, we ought to be on the forefront of our culture speaking out against domestic violence. Second, second statement. Husbands, there is no place in a Christian marriage for verbal abuse. And, excuse me, and I think it is more likely, not in every case, but more likely in a Christian home, a tendency towards verbal abuse than physical abuse. But men understand this, physical abuse may leave physical scars, but verbal abuse leaves deep emotional scars. You have no right as a husband to scream at your wife, to criticize and belittle and mock your wife. And Peter said, let it, is saying to us, let it not be found among us. And I can say to you as a pastor, and I know I can speak for Pastor Ron and Pastor Chad, over the years, we have counseled with a number of Christian women, women 
who have been the victims of some pretty severe verbal abuse. Men, stop it. Stop it. Just as I said to the ladies last week, I say to the men this week, this passage is a strong warning against nagging, preaching, and lecturing your spouse. That is not how you influence them. That is not how you allow God to change them. You are to nourish and care for them. You are to be their provider and protector. You are to treat them with great gentleness and tenderness and care. Let me share a quote with you from Gary Smalley. This is not going to be on the screen. I'll just share it with you. Some of us who are older here probably are very familiar with Gary Smalley. Some of you who are younger may not be. He has for many years been a well-known Christian author and speaker and counselor on family relationships, especially for marriages. He has some wonderful books that are still being used in marital counseling today. And Gary Smalley says this, after interviewing hundreds of wives and daughters, there is one constant plea that is commonly asked of all their fathers and husbands. Please be comforting instead of lecturing and criticizing. Being comforted is so important to them, their eyes light up with enthusiasm, with just the thought of their husbands learning this responsibility. Let me read that first part again. After interviewing hundreds of wives and daughters, there is one constant plea that is commonly asked of all their fathers and husbands. Please, please be comforting instead of lecturing and criticizing. How important is this? Peter ends with a severe warning to us husbands. Peter ends this verse with a very serious warning to husbands so that your prayers may not be hindered. So that your prayers may not be hindered. The word hindered there is a military term that means to dig a trench. It is the picture of an army digging a long and deep trench or ditch to keep the enemy from getting over to their side. And here it is used as a reference to Satan, who wants to dig a deep trench and ditch in your marriage relationship so that your prayers cannot get from you to God. Husbands, this verse, this warning clearly states that if a Christian husband does not fulfill his responsibility towards his wife, God will not answer his prayers. Now, this does not mean that you're the perfect husband or that you get everything right. It does mean that you're striving for that. And you're daily asking God to help you to be the husband that he has called you to be. If your prayers are not being answered, Maybe you need to check your marriage relationship and the way that you are treating your wife. 
no more serious divine threat could be given to a Christian, could be given to a believer, than the hindrance or interruption of all the precious promises that are made in the Bible for prayers heard and prayers answered. We think of those great and precious promises that are given to us that we pray to the living God and he hears us and he answers us. But guys, we can hinder that by the way we treat our wives. This speaks of the severe cutting off of divine blessing, which shows us how critical a Christian husband's loving care of his wife is in this grace of life. You, the way you treat your wife is so important in the sight of God that it can determine whether or not your prayers are answered. 1 Peter 3, 7 is a great verse for us as men to go over and over again. There is a companion verse in the New Testament to this verse. In fact, if you put these two verses together, men, we have enough to keep us busy for the rest of our lives. And that companion verse is Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Saying the same thing. Same thing. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I've shared this with you before. But often in premarital counseling, I will say to the young man, to this young man who's about to become a husband, and when you get married, this will be the most challenging verse of your entire Christian life. I tell him you need to spend the rest of your life asking yourself, what does it mean to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her? In 1 Corinthians 2.16, Paul says to the church at Corinth, but we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have the mindset of Christ within us. And men, we end as we began with the example of Jesus himself. When it comes to loving our wives, let's seek to think like Jesus thinks. Let's ask God to give us the desires of Christ himself and let us follow the example of Christ. Let us love our wives as Christ loves his precious church. Let's pray together. Father, help us 
as men, as husbands. We struggle in these areas. Oh, Father, we confess that to you. We have jobs and great responsibilities. And it is so easy for us to overlook that which is most precious in your sight. Oh, Lord, help the men of this church. Help us to rise up and to be the men that you would have us to be, to be the husbands that you have called us to be. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.